delighted to have you in the podcast where all stories are welcome and the masks come off. Hi Sanjay. Hi Sheba. Welcome to Soul Brews with Sheba and thank you so much for making the time for this. I'm delighted to have you with me. My pleasure Sheba. Always glad to be with you. Thank you so much Sanjay for making the time. Really appreciate it. So, um you have your cup of coffee ready with you? I do. All right. So here's mine and here's to life Sanjay to friendship, health, happiness and safety for everyone. Drink to that. All of those things and more Sheba. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Sanjay. Is your coffee laced with something fun or I is wish it, it was. <laughs> Right. but it isn't not right. right now um can i ask you to hold your cup in your palms please and just can you just nestle it between okay. your palms yeah is there some voodoo thing going on voodoo thing going on no voodoo just just relax and yeah, if I you i didn't tell you that my cup of coffee is quite hot so uh, whatever okay. you want <laughs> all right don't try and burn me all right so then <laughs> just just keep it <laughs> just keep it in your hands just yeah. so we can just sit back and right. um, relax a bit and keep inhaling the smell of the coffee and see what it brings up for you does it throw up anything you want me to speak yes whenever you're ready you can open your eyes whenever you're ready thank you it was hard to stay focused and not grab the next sip <laughs> i'm a greedy hog i love my morning coffee i have i learned uh, well i think i i got to coffee drinking <clears throat> a lot when i lived in uh, the us in new york hmm. Hmm. so you know i grew up in calcutta yes and so very tea kind of place yeah right? yeah and you you and i share a common background of the tea industry that's right so one of my first jobs was uh, uh, j thomas right which is i think the world's largest tea broking company and probably one of the oldest yes very pakka pakka and so there was a lot of tea drinking i drank a lot of darjeeling tea incessantly mm. from morning till noon through mm. noon till night mm. well not into the night that would be mm. an exaggeration mm. i suppose the night uh, will bring other things yeah that is true <laughs> and then um, that stayed with uh, me and us because panchali is also from my wife is from calcutta mm. and uh, when we moved to new york i think that was the time when i when i really began truly appreciating my breakfast mm. Hmm. because um the americans do all everything in great excess right and i would i would reject most of those things but i couldn't reject the excess of a of a massive breakfast and because it is massive and it's copious with uh, in, you know laced with a lot of uh, protein yeah some of the f- mugs of coffee went down really nicely yeah. so i'm not saying always quality but uh, lots of coffee and that's why i started drinking lots of coffee in the morning which i do now from breakfast through till you know almost early afternoon before so i switch back to tea so you are the ideal candidate for me now for this conversation <laughs> coffee and soul and what what else so tell me how many cups of coffee do you do uh, in a, in a day till till lunch how many do you i will typically drink 3 uh, to 4 cups between breakfast and and lunch and maybe one cup thereafter so about 4 to 5 cups that's a lot uh, of caffeine that's a lot of caffeine Yeah. And I was uh I was under some stress with people saying you're really pushing it now till I ran into the famous Dr. Deepak Chopra's brother Dr. Sanjeev Chopra. Mm. 
hmm. who was till not long ago the um, the dean of continuing medical education at uh, at Harvard uh, Medical hmm. School. Hmm. And he's written a book which uh, which is I think 101 reasons why you should drink coffee. Hmm. Hmm. And he's one of the world's uh, renowned. Uh, I think it's a uh, a liver specialist is a hepatologist, I think maybe, or is hmm. that the right word? I don't know. Hmm. But he uh, sold me the notion that coffee is not just good for the soul, but it's great for the body as well. So listen, I drink five cups and it's medically validated. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and there's, you know, you have, you have, you don't have anything on the other side to show for it. So it's all good, Sanjay. Yeah. Well, I, I think... I told Sanjeev uh, a couple of years ago when I met him uh, in Boston, when he, he, he mentioned to me that he's now on the board of this coffee company. I said, Sanjeev, is there any connection between your coffee? He says, no, I wrote the book before they invited me. Yeah. So he's a man of uh, principle, I believe. All right, good. No, and I'm sure, you know, that, and, and probably seeing the way that he, and the way that he stood behind the coffee, they invited him after that. So that's, <laughs> that's, Sanjay, tell me, um, you know, you've had a very interesting journey and a very interesting life and would love to hear a little bit about um, your journey, your learnings more than anything else, ups and downs, uh, where you are today, I know, with English Helper, but what led you there? You know, how, how, what's, just, it would be great to hear about your, your adventure in life. I, I quite often begin talks, especially in my current uh, role and in the current, the context of what I do currently, which is I work in the area of education by recalling uh, the story of my childhood. And I, mm. and I say that I was five and my elder brother was eight. Mm. And we would go to school by first crossing a river, the Hooghly, mm. take a rickshaw to the railway station and unescorted through this journey get onto one of the local trains and do a 14 station uh, journey, uh, get to the other side and walk a couple of kilometers crossing the GT road to get to school. So five and eight, no chaperone. And it took us two hours each way to school and back only because my mother mainly and my parents who were educated, my mother was a teacher, believed that we needed good um, education. And so they, with their heart in their mouths, uh, they'd send us every day. And I remember once during the time when I was still very young in school, there was a lot of unrest in, in, in West Bengal and northeastern mm. part of the country with Naxalite movements and so on and so forth. And often the train services would get suspended because somebody blew up the tracks. Mm. And I remember one afternoon coming at three o'clock and I might, might have been about eight years of age. Mm. And um, we came to the station near Howrah Mm. And the, the, the trains had been suspended. We went to the station master and he said, forget it. Uh, there's no way the trains are going to resume today. So we went back to the main road to see if we could mm. hop on a bus, mm. which would have been a three and a half hour journey to home. But people were all over buses, that, those buses. Everyone who had a train journey to take had gone onto a bus and they were on top of the bus, behind the bus, inside the bus, below the bus. Yes. So for two kids, um, that was almost impossible. So we mm. came back to the railway track and walked 30 kilometers. 8 and 11. Yeah. And when we reached home, it was midnight. No cell phones. Yeah. Uh, even if my parents had got through to the school phone, they would have said, we don't know. And so they were just sitting there dry-eyed. Tears had gone, run out. Mm. And when my mother saw us, uh, she obviously embraced us and hugged us. And, you know, she, she did all the things that parents would do. And then what she said was very telling. She said, okay, go to bed. You have to go to school tomorrow. 
right? Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, you know, uh, much as I, at, when I was young, hated the thought that every time I came home, my mother would check my homework and it was really torture in school and torture back at home. But the fortune of uh, being, um, being uh, you know, sort of uh, in an educated learning environment and the fortune of being educated, whatever that might mean, led to the many fortunes that my life opened up for me. You know, whether it was friendships and relationships, whether it was jobs and careers, whether it was uh, places and travel, um, all of that because I could hold my own and I had learned how to learn. Right. And so when I was uh, well into my career and we were living in Singapore, uh, this was in 2000, uh, I'm thinking around seven, I got this uh, tremendous urge. I was getting this tremendous urge. My company was asking me to uh, relocate to either London or New York and most likely on an upward trajectory. But something uh, came to me, a voice, a whisper, a feeling, a niggle, I don't know, which sort of said, it's time you did something just that that sort of in some ways gave back did more than for yourself and it wasn't a noble feeling it wasn't the feeling that you know suddenly um, I wanted to change the world it just felt the right thing right so I uh, found someone like you I found a life coach and it was a friend and I heard his story he'd been a very successful investment banker at the age of 39 gave up his job became a life coach and I said you did it Mm-hmm. Uh, you you do three three days of commercial, two days of pro bono, and what made you and how did you? Because I'm thinking I want to do something else, mm-hmm. something new. Mm-hmm. So we began a journey together of six months, him life coaching me. Mm-hmm. I went to my company and I said, I don't want to go to London or New York, I want to go to India. They mm-hmm. were a little bit surprised at that stage, but they were good enough to relocate me here. I became the chairman of American Express in India, but I had a very clear purpose that I needed to find a new path. And one day that came to me and I sort of went back to the company and I said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm out, not because I don't like you, but because I'm liking a direction that I want to take for myself. So what was the defining moment there? Was it, was it something that kind of built up over time or is it something, obviously you, you were on a path, but this, this final thing that you said, was it, was it a, was it an event that happened? Was it a process? Was it a, something that, what, what caused it? It is all of those things. And I think it's mostly the, the process. So the three things that, um, that I, I realized was that, one, I, I want my time back. Mm-hmm. So when you work for a large corporation and get reasonably well compensated, you sold your time. And rightfully so. I wanted my time back. Right? Mm-hmm. Two, I wanted to invest in myself. And mm-hmm. what that meant was, my personal well-being, my relationships, uh, my my interests, my hobbies, my friendships, whatever they may be, which often suffered because the time had been sold, mm-hmm. right? It was hard to find that balance because when you're on the treadmill, uh, the driver is really that main factor. And the third is that I realized I wanted to give back, but use what I had learned and I know and have experience of for giving back, not just mm. by writing checks. Mm. Mm. And so uh, these things came to me very sharply. And it's interesting, the way I characterize them is, you know, when you're a kid and you're sort of putting money in a piggy bank, mm. and sometimes the coin gets stuck. Mm. And then uh, you get this incredible satisfaction when you tap it, tap it, tap it, and at one time and one day or whenever it is, plunk, it goes and settles at the bottom. So the 
the realizations that I sort of um, achieved mm. were not new ahas. They were simply penny dropping moments. Yeah, thoughts that were there within me, which suddenly came and settled in my stomach and one fine day I came out of these sessions with my coach and I said I now know that this is the right thing mm. and that belief is what has fueled me over now 10 years right so doing a different uh, yeah. set of things and leading a different sort of a different life with absolutely no looking back and um, and it I think it's a bundle of uh, events and definitely a process What's, what's very interesting is when you said sort of a different life. And I'd love to unpackage. Can you unpackage that for me? When you say it's a different life, but it's a sort of. So what's the holdback on that one? No, it's a sort of a different life in the sense that I still work a corporation. I still take all the things I've learned about how to work in an organized way, how to do things at scale, sure. how to uh, build a business, how to focus on customers, how to look after myself and people around me who depend on me, how to comply with the law, how to be ethical in what we do, how to take solve problems and all of these things I've learned over time. And I, those are the things that I'm applying because those are the things I know best, right? Yeah. It is sort of the same life, but it is different because in a large corporation, as you get more and more senior, mm. you realize that most of the time is spent on managing um, the inside of the company. Mm. And less and less time is really spent on managing the outside of the company, as though it may seem the reverse, mm, right? Mm. Executives come first in large corporations, then comes the shareholder. And here it is a very clear path of just simply focusing on doing things that make sense for the purpose with which you have created the organization. And therefore, uh, to that extent, it's different. It's sort of the same thing. It's different. And I've said to my team that as long as I'm involved, I don't want to be this organization to be more than 99 people. Mm. You know, drawing from Harari, who says apes, bands of apes stick together when they are small enough. And when they get too large, they disband yeah. because there's loose touch with each other physically. Definitely. Humans can create large corporations. They can all be under one brand, the notion, imagination. Mm. Animals don't have imagination. They need touch, feel, and reality. Mm. And I want us to be that kind of an organization as long as I'm around. Hmm. And then things will happen differently, maybe. Hmm. Uh, so those are the kinds of things which are similar and dissimilar. And of course, the work we do is incredibly dissimilar. The work we do and the places we do the, that work and the purpose with which we do the work. Therefore, the decisions we take uh, are quite uh, sometimes unique. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and uh, you know, when I'm, as I'm talking to you, uh, uh, there's a visual that comes to, to me, which is of... of uh, Stone skimming on water, you know, the, the skims, the various skims. What's the maximum you've done? Oh, I don't even remember. Would be about five, seven, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, as kids, that, that there was always big competitive yeah. Yeah. effort, but nevertheless, carry on. So, if I was to ask you to, and if you can, look at your life like that, and each skim, each, each time it, the stone kind of comes up before it hits the, it's like phases in our lives. Is there, and as you're talking, I'm, I'm really looking at if you were to, to you know, we dip in and then dip out. So if we, if we are on the up, that's when we are watching our own life and looking at it before we go down for the next insertion into the water. Are there some ways that you can say that this is how, these are the things I learned and I've moved from this space to the next space to the next space. And these were my 
key learnings. Is there something that, that and, and I think why I'm asking that is because it would help people who are probably either just starting out or have a similar journey to yours, Sanjay. I have no clue whether I can be of help to anyone, but I can share with you what comes to me most uh, readily. So I'd say phase one is, uh, you know, extreme youth. And I lived in, a, in an idyllic environment right next to the river, um, which I crossed every day to go to school. In fact, it's the 65 war for those of you, those of your audience who may have been born. You know, will probably have been born in 2000 or something, you know, the millennials and the, the various uh, generations that we talk about. But in 65, we were crossing the river, in the middle of the river. And uh, I was six, I think, yeah. And then four Pakistani jets came, right, uh, to bomb the rifle factory, which was right next to my house. Mm. In the middle of the river, gone to school, me and my brother were looking up at these four, I think they were uh, saber jets or star fighters, I forget came in from those days, East Pakistan, and the Akak gun started going and we could see the black puffs of smoke. And suddenly one of the planes got hit and went down. And I remember turning to the boatman and saying, chutti hai. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, you, rem you, you sort of, uh, life, is, life, is, uh, life is defined by the context of, of things, right? Absolutely. So that, that life was very idyllic. It was a beautiful place where we grew up with freedom, with... Uh, you know, nature with sport. And it was uh, also very um, uh, determining because we went to the school two hours away and we did it ourselves as young kids. So maybe yeah. we learned a few things. Yeah. And I think the second phase would be uh, when um, I got married uh, because I got married under somewhat challenging, trying circumstances into a very different sort of uh, culture. Mm. And, 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 and it was fantastic uh, to get you know, move into a culture where for the first time I found uh, that, uh, you know, I, I really, uh, I really experienced and started understanding uh, the need, uh, the need to recognize the equality of all, all genders, the equality of genders, right? Because yeah. I grew up in a time where uh, if your boss was a woman and my, my father's boss was a woman, and I know that, I mean, you know, in, ill intent uh, on his side it was just the time and, and just his circumstance but I know he was a bit sheepish about that mm. right and everybody uh, had this thing about women and their role and, and so when you grow up a man in, in, a, in a world which is a man's world you, you really it takes a while before you know cognition comes to you about certain things so my marriage was a fantastic uh, driver of that first level of cognition and I and I started thinking about those things because mm. I was helped to think <laughs> about those things as well. Mm. I think the second, uh, so that's the second phase. And, and the third phase of my life was, I had this very comfortable life uh, working for this tea company. We had an apartment and car and gas never in our club memberships. And I felt two things. One is I felt that I wasn't learning. And second, I felt that I was working in a system which was perpetuating the class system, the caste system. Mm. Uh, the Brits had left behind the tradition of uh, the Brits and Indians, Indians being uh, subhumans in some sense. Yeah. And unfortunately, many of us had picked up that tradition and were, because of our background of caste, uh, possibly just perpetuating it through the, through the notion of class. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I found that to be somewhat disturbing. And I found that to be disturbing because events and, and transactions that, that I experienced suddenly came to me and I said, you know, I don't think this is right. Mm. 
So I quit that job and I and we and, and Panchali, where my wife was very supportive, and though she had her own career, mm. she recognized what um, what was needed and she said, let's do it because I can transport my career. And we moved to Delhi to work for Aisha in the Faridabad tractor factory. Right. <laughs> right. So from very pakka meals uh, in a dining room in gin and tonic, we were uh, in a very different environment. The first of a uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a block of 500 flats in Vasan Kunj, taking a bus to go to Faridabad. And it was a hard transition. Yes. Right? I almost gave up because yeah. it felt that I'd may, maybe made, because just the circumstances were so different. The context was mm. so different. The environment was so different. And it was harsh. And from Calcutta to Delhi. Yeah. And it was harsh, you know. Yeah. It yeah. was harsh. And it was very difficult. But we stuck it out and it was the best thing we did. Because that was a very defining thing. So, so what made you stick it out? What was... I think um, just the habit of sticking it out, mm. you know. Mm. And, you know, you felt like giving up, but it was impossible to give up. And then, and then as you stuck it out, things got always a little better, always a little mm. better. You got some new hope. Mm. And then you worked your way through it. And one fine day, you emerged in the sunlight and there was no looking back, mm. right? And it was a fantastic period of learning, of understanding you know, equality, if you will, at the workplace. You know, you can be who you are. You can be the boss. You can be the sure. vice president or the GM. But you're a human being, irrespective of what your role is. And I love that. And that organization was ethical. It was uh, outstanding in many ways. And it gave me the, uh, the opportunity to move to the next phase of my life, which was working for the large global corporations. Mm -hmm. and, and that training I got uh, from... Um, I might have got a few you know, ways of, 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 of or, or, or styles from my time in Calcutta, but the fundamentals and the training on of work and business and of ethic, uh, of quality, of customer that I got at, at Aisha paid me rich dividend as I worked for PepsiCo and Motorola and then eventually at American Express. And I think the third phase, uh, you know, or the fourth phase is that period and, and suddenly at American Express, I found myself for reasons I didn't understand. Boom, I suddenly got into a large job, into a big role with all the trappings of Mercedes. You know, I'm like, okay. Uh, my friend said, you're the only person I know who has a Mercedes. I said, yeah, I'm the only person too um, that I know. So, you know, it was coming from our background. This was uh, massive. And it was, uh, it was intoxicating in a way. At the same time, it was uh, also humbling and and... And from there, I think uh, the, the move to go around the world was great educator about understanding difference, about living with diversity, and also about coming to grips with uh, being an Indian. Yeah. Because being an Indian, especially coming from the backgrounds we came from, there was a certain amount of colonization that mm -hmm. was imposed upon us. Uh, you know, in, in a sense, uh, the colonization, which I, I don't want to be you know, too dramatic about this. But the fact is that, you know, white people were... were it's a were, fact, Sanjay, yes, that's were, right. Were, yeah. were, were people uh, who we sort of felt knew stuff or were stuff or did stuff, right? And and I think that going out in the world helped uh, uh, equalize many things. And I, and I, I think and that's I felt, what, uh, Sorry, I'm coming in. I think what, what is amazing is the way that this, by your very life and the roles you played and the places you worked and you challenged it probably at every level, Sanjay, <laughs> about the just the white person knowing versus... And I'm not saying this again, I'm not making 
like you, I'm not trying to make it bigger than it is, but I do believe that there is tremendous value in this, in standing up for who, where you, where you come from, the origins and what you bring. And so that, that those lessons that going out there, living the life, living a life of some comfort, living a life of some style, when you're a senior in a large corporation like American Express, you live life uh, at work and away from work reasonably, stylishly and splendidly, all of that was great. Yeah. But um, just the travels, the cultures and the lessons were, were quite amazing. And that eventually culminated reaching a place in Singapore with a large global responsibility, looking at the potential to go somewhere and back to where we started, Amazing. my life coach. Amazing, amazing. What a, what a, what a, what a journey. And um, so if you had your life to live over, would you do anything differently, Sanjay? Uh, many things would be the same, but I would learn more. I would educate myself more. I would find myself more balanced in terms of uh, sharper capability around certain skills. So I've always uh, strummed at the guitar, mm. but I've always strummed at the guitar and that's all. I've always strummed at the guitar poorly. In we fact, have to I, still do that Kishore Kumar evening. Yeah, <laughs> I, taught, uh, I taught my daughter very early on uh, before she was taught by anyone else a few chords. So she proudly went to her first music class and her teacher said, oh, you, you play a little bit, yes. Who taught you my father? And he said, well, unlearn everything that you've learned. So, you know, I'd rather that um, he would say or he, she would say that, hey, listen, that's it. Your father's the man. So I would love to, you know, learn a few of those things. So I think uh, educating the mind, continuing to invest in relationships and building, um, you know, sharper capability in areas of interest. I'd focus on all of those things. The rest is just life. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't change. I mean, you know, how do you say change things? You yeah. know, what would you change for? Would you want to travel more? Would you want to see more? Mm. Would you want to own more? Would you want to, I don't know. Mm. I mean, would you want to achieve more? I don't know. But mm. I definitely think I would love to be, have uh, learning more, mm. uh, greater curiosity from a great earlier age, understanding the things I understand maybe earlier than I did, maybe. Mm. Uh, and, you know, investing and, and, and working with the relationships that are important for people, caring about people. I learned about the larger responsibility as a human being that I felt it came to me over time. I may have had it within me. Um, maybe I could, I, I could do with that earlier in my life. And uh, as I said, uh, playing the guitar a bit better. <laughs> so um, um, Sanjay, is there, uh, no, before I ask you that, what have been some of the key influencers in your, or influ, it could be people, places, but things you've read, but key influencers in your life, who have, who have kind of inspired you? Well, your, you know, your, your parents are always a very important influence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, the books I read, I read a lot of books. I, I, I don't know where I grew up yeah. because, uh, these were places that were inhabited by lots of Brits. Uh, we had massive libraries of books in our clubs. And I read everything from A to Z, whether you understood it or not. Mm -hmm. And then I realized one day that, you know, it all added up somehow, some network of information and, and learning had, had developed. So I read a lot. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and I think those were uh, important influences. The friends I had in my growing up in, in my neighborhood were yeah. very important influences. Uh, I think uh, my uh, Panchali has been a massive influence uh, in my life. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, uh, there have been influences, uh, influences uh, in every stage, every phase, as you work, as you with people, with leaders. Those have been, of course, very important. Uh, but I think uh, becoming a parent is a big influence mm. because a parent is an incredible uh, process of adaptation, mm. right? From mm. cradling a child mm. to supporting and nursing and to empowering. The child grows faster than you do. Mm. And, you know, to be able to understand uh, the phases of a human being as they, you know, move through your life, um, and using that as, as an education to evolve yourself, I think. So I think my daughter has been a massive influence, as any parent, parent might say of their own, own children. Yeah, but, you know, what it is for you is, it is for you, you know, each parent, right. of course. So that's, yeah. that's uh, and is there, um, is there an adage you live by, Sanjay, when the chips are down, what keeps, what keeps you going? And are you gonna, if you tell me the chips are never down, that's fine too. Because no, chips are down often enough. I mean, you know, when you, um, one of the things I realize, especially as I do what I do, um, that when you come out of large corporation, uh, corporations, I don't know where the buck stops because you, mm. buck stops with you sometimes, but there are oodles of money and there's lots of brand and there's lots of resource. And every time something happens that sort of affects the business, you feel very, uh, you know, in, you know, you feel like you're in a difficult situation, but it's nothing like when you're doing something and you have 80 people, and you're responsible for them, their well-being, their emotional well-being, yeah. their financial well-being, yeah. and you have just that limited amount of money in the bank, all right? And you're fighting hard and you feel everything that you're doing makes sense and the world doesn't feel that way. And you're kind of wondering, you know, where the next, uh, next uh, stepping stone is going to be, mm -hmm. right? So as much as you do these things because you are passionate and your principles and you have absorbed that this is what you want to do, living the life, it's like climbing the mountain, right? Mm -hmm. you, want to, you want to climb the mountain. Mm -hmm. But when you're climbing the mountain, it's uh, step by step and it scrapes and bruises and you fall down. I think perseverance is what is uh, most important and hope and, and, a, and a belief that uh, if you try hard enough, then either you will just stop uh, and, and that's it and, or you will find something will happen and you'll find your way till it's impossible or, or you actually reach somewhere so I think perseverance and hope and optimism and I'm, I'm sort of blessed with those kinds of uh, those kinds of attributes maybe that's because of how I grew up and what I did and what I got exposed to but I, I see them in me yeah. and, and to and do what I've been doing for 10 years yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel as energized in some sense as I was uh, almost 10 years ago. And that is a bit of a strange thing. I feel um, like, should I go to a counselor? The passion, the enthusiasm, the hope is so evident. You know, it's not just evident in, in the work that you do, but it's an evident in the way that you engage with people all, you know, anywhere. And that, that the genuineness of that comes out. So and that's a beautiful, beautiful quality, Sanjay. Uh, and you can't fake it. It's, it is there because it's there and it's very beautiful. 
your unique lens. And I believe each individual, each human being brings, brings something which is totally unique to them. And it's their gift to humankind in that whole tapestry, the thread that you, what do you think is your unique gift? I love people mm. and, and it not, not in a very, I don't mean that in a very um, expansive way. Mm. I give my love to people. So when I am with people who I know and they know me, um, they can count on me and they can count on my love. Whatever that might mean, right? Yes, it, might, yes. it, it means different things for different relationships. But I think that's, that's and I have no doubt that that is uh, what has uh, got me love back. Absolutely. And more power to that. More power to the love you give and therefore the love that you get back. And, and, uh, and may, it, may it continue to be unconditional to the... To I love the dogs too. Yeah, I know the dogs and the dogs love you right back. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, so um, what what do these kind of conversations uh, mean for you, Sanjay? What what's the purpose of uh, conversations like this? What do you think? I think there are, you know, um, the art. Firstly, I I I believe that um, everybody has a story, right? There are seven billion plus stories in, mm. on this planet. Mm. It is impossible for us to say, I, I have a story that is so unique that everybody sit up and notice. It's about knowing how to tell stories, telling the story of your life. And in telling the story of your life, you're reflecting constantly upon your life. And you know, like some wisdom said, it's the good things that stay and the bad that, uh, that, that is somewhere buried. And from the reflections of your life, if you can constantly reflect on the good things, that's power to you, that's energy, that's battery, that's fuel. After this conversation, I have to jump into my car, I'll scream into my car, smiling, because I have reflected upon my life and found the positive notes that recharge. So for me, that's what, that what makes sense. Absolutely, absolutely. Sanjay, it's been an absolute pleasure and a joy to have you on Soul Brews with Shiva in Coffee and Soul. And thank you so much for making the time. Is there anything else you'd like to say? I love you, Shiva. <laughs> you are you right a, back. You're really a star. You're really a star. You're an inspiration and, and you are uh, humble beyond words. Uh, thank you very much for spending your time talking with me. I'm sure there's uh, another 7 billion stories you, you will find. But it's lovely that you're unearthing stories and just getting us to uh, talk. And in doing so, fire, you know, fueling us with our own oxygen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sanjay. Thank you very much indeed. And have a great day. And uh, all the best from, uh, from uh, Coffee and Soul. We must continue to have our coffees. And <laughs> now, it's, now it's cool enough for me to hold. <laughs> right. Bye. Thank Bye -bye. you so much. Cheers. Thank you Bye -bye. so much. Cheers. Bye. Bye Thank you for your time and attention and for being a part of Soul Brews with Shiva. Until next week, keep the coffee swirling. <laughs>